Would you open up God's word with me? His living word to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 6. What I often like to do is open by reading the word and then move into the sermon. It's so important that we hear the word. And you're welcome to read it up on the screen as it comes up. It usually does. But I also encourage you, bring your own copy of the scripture. You might even want to take notes. I usually actually write right inside my Bible. That's why I like to use a paper Bible. But you might use one on your smartphone or another device. That's great. We do have Wi-Fi, and you'll, you'll probably see that pop up on your deal. Uh, to be a guest, you can get information on how to register for that. But I invite you to personally take a stake in reading and hearing God's Word. We're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, and we'll begin the reading today in verse 46. Luke 6 and 46. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the man who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. It was last Christmas, just after the actual Christmas holiday in between Christmas and New Year, that our family, my, my wife and four kids, took a short excursion, a short trip to New York City. So we kind of saved up our money so we could get a hotel and do some shopping and just walk around all the great sights and sounds of New York City. It was a wonderful time. If you've ever been to New York at Christmas, everything is decorated. Everything is in season. It's so much fun. Lights everywhere. And my family, they're not big on, on going out to fancy restaurants, so we usually kind of just get a quick bite or order something in. And it was one of those nights where they said, we just, Dad, we don't want to go to a restaurant and wait in line and all that. Let's just go back to the hotel, get some pizza. And I thought, that's fine for my pocketbook. We've blown all our money shopping. Pizza sounds great. And we're back at the hotel, and, and the kids are playing uh, board games. And, you know, they're like, Dad, you want to play this game? You want to play this game? And to be honest, I was exhausted. So, you know, I'm just going to lie down here in the bed for a minute. I thought I'm going to put my headphones on and maybe watch something on Netflix, you know, just unwind. And I was like, Lying there, I, I had that prompting, which I sometimes might get from the Lord, that he wanted to spend time with me. Ever find yourself in a situation where everything in you wants to unwind and really check out? And yet the Holy Spirit was heavy on me, and I knew that I needed to put those headphones down, put Netflix aside, and turn to the Scripture, and begin reading. And it happened that over the last several months prior to that, this church began the dialogue with a number of focus groups in the church and outside the church about what God would have for us. A new wineskin, a new way forward, a new vision, a new name. And we'd come to a point through prayer and discussion that it was, there was a time just to step back. It was time just to listen again. It was time to say, Lord, we're, we're at ground zero. The, the canvas is clear. What is it that you want to write on our hearts? What's your mission and vision for us? What do you want to do? And I had done that. I just laid that aside. Wasn't even thinking about it. Just began to read the scriptures. And I was here in Luke. And reading through the, 
this gospel and came to this passage and the words, because the word of God is living and active, leapt off the page. I said, oh, Lord, I think this is it. I think this is the message, not just for me, but for our church. Because as I read it, I thought, this sums up my ministry. How many times have I prayed with people when they've come and said, Lord, 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 Lord. I say, have you done what the Lord's asked you to do? Well, no. And I've seen people over and over again go through the cycle and the repetition of rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall. Our life gets knit back together and we think we're doing great. And then all of a sudden we're back in the pit. And then we come back to church. We come back to the front and say, would someone pray for me? Someone pray. And we do. And God meets us and we start again and then we're back again. And Jesus here gives us the prescription. He says, it doesn't have to be that way. If you come to me, he says, and hear my word and do what it says, you will withstand the storms of life. I said, oh, Lord, may this be for our people. May this be for your people. May we become great at coming to Jesus, excellent at hearing his word, and even more proficient at doing his word. So as we go forward, if you could put this slide up for us, Our new mission statement, if you want to just make it simple, it's this. Come, hear, and do. Taken right from the Gospel of Luke. Come, hear, and do. Next week we'll share come. Come to Jesus and come into his community, the church. Then we'll talk about hearing the word and hearing his spirit. And then lastly we'll talking about doing telling your story, and doing discipleship. We'll talk about how these work together. We'll talk about each part so we understand. But today, before we can dive into the come, hear, do, we must take into account the whole of what Jesus is saying. And he begins with, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Let's put the text up again from Luke 6, 46. I mean, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if we call out to Jesus as Lord, if we're calling out to him as someone in higher authority, and he tells us to do something, it doesn't make very much sense then to turn away and do whatever we want. I mean, after all, we're coming to him, calling him Lord. And he gives us the answer. It's like going to the doctor, and how many times have I done it? Ryan, your cholesterol is a little high. I know, i got to lay off the bacon. I get all excited at the buffet. When they put it out, it's like sizzling. It's crackling. I just can't have two pieces. I've got to have 20. I know I should lay off the cheese and the butter and everything else. Well, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. And I go right back, and I try a little bit, and then, boom, I'm back to square one. The cholesterol hasn't moved. It's still high. And so you and I, whether it's your cholesterol or it's any other symptom in our physical, emotional, or spiritual being, we can probably relate to going to a higher authority, being told what to do, and then walking away and doing whatever we want. So we're not suggesting here that, that, we're, that we're awful people or that Jesus is looking at his original audience and saying, you're terrible people. He's saying, let me show you the way forward. Let me help you out of the rut. Let me help you find the way. Of course, this story that he gives, this parable, how pertinent that just a week ago we saw streams rise. It wasn't a stream, it was the Atlantic Ocean. 
We saw the devastation of homes that are not built on a strong foundation as Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas. We have a few pictures if you could put them up. The devastation, and this is a small sample, where the water has just overrun the land. Trees are stripped of all their leaves, and the building materials that once kept someone safe and protected were completely demolished. The wind and the rain that Jesus is speaking of here became a reality there. On the next slide, and I put my own red circle, you'll find, though, across that island that sometimes there are houses that withstood the storm. How could a house withstand 200-mile-an-hour sustained winds? And yet it did. Because if the engineering is right, if someone did the math and someone spent the money and someone took the time to lay the foundation correctly and construct the materials properly, the building still stands. And Jesus is saying that to you and me. That if we take the time for our lives and excavate, get down deep, build a good foundation on his word, and we begin to hear what it says, line upon line, precept upon precept, the construction of our life will be well built. So that whatever storm comes, whatever wind comes, whatever creek rises, whatever you're going through in your life, you will stand. You will not be shaken. This is the word of our Lord. This is his design for you and for me. So as we move forward as a church in terms of come, hear, do, we'll be talking about how we can excavate. Because for some of us, unfortunately, we began our Christian life with a thin foundation. We began our Christian life with not much Bible underneath us. We began and there were so much heart issues that needed to be dug up and brought forward. We began running before we learned to walk before we could even stand. So for some of us, we're going to be taking those steps back and how we can prepare our heart again, how we can say, Lord, come in and do the work of renewal. Those of you in construction know what I'm talking about. There's some houses that you know, it's better to just tear the thing down and start over. It's better to just say, let's start afresh. And for some of us, the next few years might begin to feel that way. Just say, I need a fresh beginning. I need to hear the word clearly. I need a new start. Then let's do it. Then let's start. For some of us, it won't be that everything has to be torn down, but we might need to kind of gut the innards of the building and spray against that mold and mildew that's down in the basement. Get that Clorox bleach of the Holy Spirit inside of us to do a cleansing work. We might need to really have some confession and some purging. There may be some sewer systems running underneath with some broken pipes. You following the analogy? There may be some things going on inside of us that are kind of just spewing forward filth, and we don't know how to stop that flow. God does. And Jesus says if we come to him and hear his word and do it, we will have a well-built life. His word will speak to everything in our life. So our lives stand or fall based on coming to Jesus, hearing his word, and doing his word. Some of us have found great comfort and serenity in following Jesus because you've experienced it. Your life was in ruin. 
and you came to Jesus and he started putting your life back together. And now you would say, Pastor Ron, I'd never go back. I'd never go back. You have known peace like we sang about. You say, I know what's on the other side. I don't want anything to do with that. That's wonderful. And so we need to keep that building going. Others of us have lost sight of the storms. It's been so long since a major calamity came to our life. We've forgotten. And sometimes that's caused us to be lazy and lackadaisical. And instead of coming to hear God's word, we distance ourselves from church. I'm so glad you're here today and coming into community. Because it's one of the keys to maintaining a well-built life is hearing the word with others. The mutual accountability, the encouragement. And here's Jesus saying, if you want to come to me and hear my word, then be a doer of it. Not only being lazy in coming to church, but the potential is there for you and me to become lazy towards doing the word of God. Like me, going to the doctor for my cholesterol. It's just I know what to do, but I don't know if I want to do it now. I don't know if I want to put in the effort to do it. And we'll find ourselves in a test, in a storm. And according to Jesus' scripture, our life, if not well built, may not withstand the storm. So it's good for us to lean into this text. Of course, I realize there may be some in this room that you've really never had a big storm in your life. Maybe you've grown up in a wonderful Christian home. Maybe there's been great parenting and and there's been a lot of shield and a lot of protection. Give God praise. Our testimony is not built on whether we've endured a storm or not. It's built on whether our life is on the foundation of God's word. Maybe you say, I've never really had to go through a lot of that. Then praise God. Keep your life going forward. Continue to hear the word. Continue to do the word. Because ultimately, this scripture is perhaps not about well-built lives and storms, but it's about whose authority are we under. Let's look at the very first verse. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? What a fantastic question. And I wonder that in that question, if we've picked up the teachers among us would know when you hear a word repeated, it may be good to think about that word. It may be an emphasis for us, and there is a word repeated here, Lord, Lord. Jesus is saying, if you're calling me Lord, if you're really meaning what you're saying, then it doesn't make any sense to walk away and not do what I say. What military officer would go to the general in command, hear the orders, and then go out and say, I'm not doing that. Not sure that might happen in our homes. That might happen in a schoolroom setting. I'm not going to do what the principal said. I'm not going to do what the athletic coach said. But we understand in certain parts of our ordered world, there are grave consequences for such a thing. And so when we get into those settings, usually we perk up. Usually we say, wait a minute, I'm in the presence of someone who has authority, who can carry out authority in my life. They can challenge me, punish me, correct me, even physically deal with me. For so many of us, we may have thought of Jesus as our great shepherd, and we've got a beautiful painting in our home, Jesus holding some lambs. I was at the Sterling Fair yesterday. Not all the lambs are that small. 
And some of you are wild and bucking and kicking. And so the, the picture that we have in our mind of Jesus is often as this wonderful caretaker, this wonderful pastor. But if he's the king of kings and lord of lords, then he has a scepter in his hand. And if he's a mighty warrior who's beat Satan, he's got a sword in his hand. And those pictures come to us in the book of Revelation. Those great pictures of Jesus come to us in Scripture. But so often we've relegated ourselves to the cozy Jesus, the comfy Jesus, the safe Jesus. Can I tell you, he's also the lion as well as the lamb. And here he is with all authority saying, now you know I have all authority. You call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say. What does that say about our human condition? What pride do we have? What self-centeredness perhaps is in me that I would go before the king and then walk away and say, I'm going to do what I want anyway. We get an example in Scripture of what it means to be Lord. And it would be important for us today before we set out on come here and do that we reestablish Jesus as Lord of our life. Or, in fact, we decide today to surrender to Jesus. It's in the same gospel Luke chapter 5. If you would turn there, let's read along as Peter encounters Jesus first as master and then as Lord. And I imagine there may be some here today that need also to make that transition from seeing Jesus in the vernacular of the day as master or overseer or boss or chief to Lord, which means your owner the one who has all control over you. There's quite a difference. Reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake at Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Pause there. Put ourselves now in Peter's shoes. And I ask you to show your hands if this applies to you because we have so many who work in varying shifts. How many have ever worked the third shift? Oh, yeah, me included. Brutal, right? Yeah, particularly when you've got to do that over and over and then you've got to come home and there's more obligations or you've worked a double shift. And this is perhaps what's going on for Peter is that typically these fishermen were out all night. He's been out working. He's already done the work. He's already put. How do you feel when you come home from work? Are you chipper? Let's go. It's going to be a great day. No, we're exhausted. We want to put our feet up. We just want to clean up, wash up, put things away and rest. You can imagine now Peter's in the same position. I just want to wash these nets and be done with that. We went out all night and got nothing. I mean, thank God if you go out all night, you're getting a paycheck. He's going out all night, and it's not a guaranteed paycheck. There may be fish, and there may not be fish. And if anyone's ever gone fishing and never caught fish, it's the worst. Talk about a total letdown. And here he is, let down. 
he uses some wording that we want to again pay attention to. Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him in verse 5, Master. This is this general term. It's not the same term for Lord. It's a different word in the Greek language. And he's simply saying, you're my chief. You're my boss. I get it. You're my overseer. But then as he responds, listen to the emphasis of the exclamation point. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. He's talking back to the Lord. He's not the first child to talk back. We've all talked back to our parents at some point. We've all talked back to our father, whether through our words or our heart or our attitude, and he's no different. Peter is just exemplifying for us so we can see ourselves. We'll also see Jesus and his grace in a moment. I was out all night. But, and I usually, I love this one. You kind of calm down, take a breath. But, at your word, I will let down the net. Now think about what we were just hearing in Luke 6. Come to Jesus, hear his word, and do it. It is going to do it. Even when he doesn't want to. That's what I want us to get here first and foremost. Even when he doesn't want to. Even when he thinks it's crazy. Even when he's exhausted. But at your word, I'll do it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's an ugly word. It doesn't fit the 21st century. But Jesus has not changed. And he still wants obedience from his followers. He says... And we say, yes. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now listen to this, verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And when they came, they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So Jesus shows up. Not just as master, as boss, as chief, as overseer, but now he shows up as someone who controls the fish. Someone who understands where the school is going to be without the Garmin sonar system. No fish finder. He sees and he knows all. So when he speaks of his word, he's speaking from that perspective. He says, I'm going to blow Peter's mind when I There's going to be so much fish going on. What he's letting Peter know and letting you and I know, secondly, is that God understands that we want to control everything. But he controls it so much better. He understands that we want to have control. And we do have some limited authority in our our lives. We have some decision-making and choices. But here's the one with all authority in heaven and earth. And he has all control to make fish move where they want winds to go up and down to do whatever he wants to do. So when he says go, he knows what he's talking about. And he wants to get this message through to Peter, so he he makes his mind go, you're not going to catch a few fish. You're not even going to fill your boat. You're going to fill your boat and his boat, and it's so heavy it's sinking. For most of us, myself included, I'm like, there's all my money. And you're in the water, and you're trying to get the fish out, and you're bringing them in, and you got extra work. Peter does something quite different. He understands what had just happened on multiple dimensions. Verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. That's a different word in the Greek. Now he's moving from master 
He's saying, you're my owner. You have all control and all authority. And his response to that is worship by falling down prostrate. And his response to that is, I am not like you. I'm a sinner. His response is, you know, (laughs) I'm a pretty good fisherman. I don't know why it didn't work out tonight. Obviously, you've got some fishing skills. We see that we can partner together. No, no excuses, no putting on airs, no pride. He just drops down and says, I want to make this clear and plain. You are the Lord. I am not. That when we ultimately come to Jesus and call him Lord, Lord, we're recognizing by way of surrender, you are Lord and I'm not. I'm committing my life unto your control. This is quite different than the cozy 21st century gospel. Do you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? Then pray this prayer. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died on the cross and was raised from the dead and your sins can be forgiven in his name? Then accept him and he'll be Lord of your life. All those things are true. But what they fail to recognize is that we're surrendering our entire will to his control. And this scripture is bringing that to the forefront. So that Jesus is saying, why didn't you call me Lord, Lord? But don't do what I say. So that ultimately what he's saying is once we get the line straight, that he's the Lord and in control, and we're down at his knees and saying, oh Jesus, you're my Lord. He's going to say, great, I have a lot of stuff for you to do. And he says that to Peter. Finish this story together. Verse 9 For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Simon, excuse me, Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. So that once we get the surrender right, once we know who's in control, and once we see how good he is, we just sang about it. That when he's in control, you don't get one boat full of fish, you get two. Then it's a little easier for us to say, I'll drop everything and follow you. What am I holding on to my limited control for? What am I grasping for, for power, when you're all powerful? Why am I so twisted and caught up with what I want and trying to get you on my team when I should be dropping my nets and joining your team? And Jesus says, I'm going to redefine everything for you, Peter. Okay. Because he'd just seen a miracle. His economic status rose. Jesus put his life back in order. And some of us have been there. I'm going to bring your mind back to that place. When your life was a shambles, when you were in ruin, when your life was trying to take control of itself and you were so uptight about what you wanted and it failed, and then you met Jesus and he reprioritized, brought great peace and bounty to your life. And you said, I want to follow you all my days. Now the question is, are we then hearing his word and doing it? Or have we called him Lord, Lord and gone off and done it? I just want to make sure we understand that the cost of discipleship is high. That what Jesus is calling us to is no small thing. So if someone's here today and you say, Pastor Ryan, I'm ready. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender. 
I'm ready to drop down and say, you're my Lord. Praise God. Let me just make sure you know what you're signing up for. And if you've already done that, let me remind us all then what we have signed on to. I don't have to say it. Jesus is going to say it for us. Let's go back to the text in Luke 6. What we read in Luke 46, in verse 46, is the culmination of this entire teaching. It's the final piece. So as we prepare ourselves to respond, let's just look back and say, what was Jesus teaching all along? What does it look like to hear his word and do it? Before we call him Lord, let's understand what he was calling these early followers to and us to. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, there's that word again. Hear the word of the Lord. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. We want Jesus to be Lord. It's not going to get any easier in the next verse. Get ready. Verse 29, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other side also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. What? And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. When he's calling us to come to him, hear his word, it's these words. Are we hearing them? And then he's going to call us to do them. Apart from him, we can do nothing. That's why coming to Jesus is number one. We must come to him. Call upon him as Lord. Let his spirit then work in us so we can hear and do. But let's just be faithful to hear. Would you look at 32 with me? Luke 6 and verse 32. If you love those who love you, big deal. That's my paraphrase. It says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. So what? Jesus is saying, you can say you love your family, you love your spouse. Big deal, everyone does that. He's calling a new kingdom in order. He's calling a new way of life. Come and hear what he's talking about. That's his lordship is to call forward a whole new way of life. And it's going to look a lot upside down, topsy-turvy than the one we've been living. Verse 33, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. We get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So now when we read verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? We understand that there is a high cost to call Jesus Lord because we're accepting 
at face value that he has authority and he has all ownership and control of our lives. Therefore, when he says these things that are contrary to the way we've been raised, contrary to the world around us, we won't care because we know whom we serve. We won't care what others think about us because we know what he thinks about us. We won't care that it looks on the surface like we won't be rewarded because he says our reward will be great. We reorient ourselves. Our lives begin to adjust when Jesus comes in. Do I want everyone here to go to heaven? Absolutely. But what I would hate the most is if you knocked on that door and Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. And you say, but Lord, Lord. You say, I don't know you. Because the matching of declaring him Lord must match what our life then looks like. That calling him Lord must come into a line with then doing the word of By God's grace, we'll embark on this over the next season of this church. But today, worship team, as you come, I do not want to go forward until we've settled the question in our mind and in our heart and in our spirit. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Would you bow with me as we prepare to respond to that question? Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to understand where we are. respect to you as our Lord? How much control are we still holding on to? How much control have we let go of? Have we fully surrendered our, the areas that are unsubmitted to you? Are the storms wreaking havoc on our life because we've neglected to do your word? We know it all hinges on you being the Lord and us trusting you wholeheartedly. So we ask, Lord, for the courage, the boldness of your spirit, the trust, the faith to arise that we may yield completely and call you Lord and trust that when you speak, it's good. invite our pastoral care team to come. Would everyone stand as we sing this chorus? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've heard his word today, I want to ask you as we sing and as we prepare ourselves to go out, consider hearing his word and doing it. Say, Lord, make your word ever clear to me. Give me a heart to obey it. And I also want to make sure that if you're here today and say, Pastor Brian, I've never really settled this issue in my heart that Jesus is Lord. You may be a churchgoer. You may have come with a friend. But don't let any of that hold you back in this moment from responding. If it's on your heart and on your mind, say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I see what he's done for Peter. I want him to do that for me. I see that Jesus is all-powerful and has all authority. I want that authority in my life then I don't want you to delay. I don't want you to delay. I want you to feel free and welcome to come. All my friends are here. We're ready to pray with you, pray for you. Will you just step out from where you are as we sing and come and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord. We will lead you so you can pray and confess Jesus as Lord.
Lord, would you do that work now so that we can walk forward with you as our leader? In Jesus' name.